This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. First of all, a happy Easter and happy Passover for those who are celebrating. Frank Proctor here with you. And unfortunately, I've got some bad news to share with you this morning. Charlie Dobbin is not here today because her mother, Dolly, passed away yesterday. Everyone here at AM740, of course, offers our condolences to Charlie, her father, brother Gordon, and Charlie and Elliot's children, Sydney and Keenan. And so upon hearing the news of uh, her mom's passing, she immediately got on the phone and called Sean James, who is our guest host this morning. Sean, thank you very much for jumping in to help out our friend Charlie. Absolutely. I'm honored to be here. Well, I should also give a little plug to your company, too. Uh, the website, if you want to check out uh, all the things that Sean does, and it's a lot, uh, <laughs> seanjames-consulting.com. CA will kind of get all the information you need should you be uh, checking things out a little bit later on. First of all, uh, just describe what you do for in your business. Well, I, I do landscape design and consulting. I do a lot of speaking and teaching as well, sort of all with an eco bent to it. Mm -hmm. um, I used to have to hide that sort of thing, but now everybody's interested in being more eco-friendly. So, uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time uh, working on designs. We're working on a new tree planting standard right now, so we won't see mulch volcanoes anymore. Lots of really cool stuff going on and and, and working with people to create the, the yard that they're looking for. Hey, that's great. Okay, we'll talk more about this on, on those uh, subjects and just uh, moments as we go through the show this morning. Uh, i got to remind folks about a couple of the things that I have to do is get the phone numbers on the air so you can call and talk to Sean. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-744-740. Our little mantra goes this way, call early, call often. One question per call. We kind of really... Uh, play policeman on that that number <laughs> and if you happen to be a first-time caller please let our uh, operator sebastian know and he'll pass that word along to me and just before you get to the airwaves you'll get your garden wings okay super now as is usual charlie usually has some items that she likes to mention events that are going on and she's passed those along to sean so maybe a two or three four what have you got there sean Thank you. Yes, right. um, Charlie herself is speaking on April 24th. Uh, she's taping, actually, the uh, garden episode of Zoomer Television for Boomers with Zip. Uh, so that should be pretty exciting. Um, and on April the 27th, she's speaking in Barrie at the Barrie Garden Club Spring Seminar on gardens with less water, which is really important right now. People are really into that. Uh, that's at 1.30 at the Tangle Creek Golf Club in Thornton. Uh, and the Horticultural Societies of Toronto and Parkdale. I want everyone to come to on Monday, April 29th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Bernard Park Parkdale Presbyterian Church. And there's a, a seminar by David Lehman on Q, Saving the World's Plants, which is really fascinating, some of the work that's being done out there. Uh, people think that gardens, botanical gardens, are just about pretty things, but there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes to save things as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of really exciting stuff going on. 
All righty. Uh, maybe what we'll do is uh, take a little break here and uh, then get back to the phone lines. Well, to the phone lines for the first time around. And uh, we'll be going to Be- uh, Belgrave to say hi to Doreen there. Uh, subject matter aeration. So I'm sure you'll be interested to talk about that, Sean. Sean James, our guest host here on Zoomer Radio's Garden Show. Frank Proctor aboard as well. And thank you for joining us here on this uh, long holiday weekend. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And filling in for Charlie this morning is Sean James. And uh, we'll talk more about his job uh, as we go on throughout the show. I'm Frank Proctor, and we welcome our first caller this morning, Doreen in Belgrave. Hey, good morning, uh, Doreen. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Sean and Frank. Hey, Doreen. I would like to talk about aeration. Yes. We have a core aerator. When do we use it, spring or fall? That's actually kind of tricky. The the trick is more about uh, not doing it when the soil is too moist or too dry. So I would say probably mid to late spring, later this year, um, uh, when the soil is dried out enough that the the, it's going to pull the cores out and not compact the soil below, uh, and when it's not too dry that it rides right across the top. If if I was doing my own yard, I would probably do it in mid-May when things have dried out just a tiny bit. I thank you very much. You're most okay. welcome. Thanks for joining us, uh, Doreen. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have, a, have a nice weekend, a long holiday weekend for that matter, huh? Uh, phone number says we say goodbye to Doreen. That leaves a line open at 416-360-0740. And, of course, out of town, anywhere in the province for that matter, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Uh, let's uh, bounce off to Barry and say hi to Pat. Good morning, Pat. Hey, Pat. Good Good morning, everyone, and my condolences to Charlie. Thank you. Um, I have in my front yard a little green plant that grows um, about the same height as grass, and it's got a little purple flower on top, and it's taking over the whole lawn. It's growing like crazy. How can I get rid of it? Are the leaves a little bit purple, Um, or do they smell really intense when they're cut? It could be it could be a bugleweed or uh, creeping Charlie, um, and and I'm not really I don't I don't sort of follow the way everybody else does things. Uh, my neighbor paid me to take the violets out of his lawn, and it could be violets too, for that matter. And then he looked over the fence a little bit mystified while I planted them in my lawn. Um, <laughs> there's certain things that it's it's really tough to fight, and and all three of those are toughies. So I kind of just tend to think of well, how good they are for the pollinators. Um, we don't have herbicides anymore that we can use that are going to handle that sort of thing. So it gets mm-hmm. right down to sheer blood, sweat, and tears if you really want to get them gone. It's just really a question of, of handpicking. Um, I, I've had people say, you know, take out the whole lawn, put in fresh earth and fresh sod. But I, I tend to really focus on enjoying the diversity and, and thinking about how good they are for, for pollinators and so on. And for instance, violets, there's a beautiful butterfly called a fritillary that has to feed, uh, the caterpillar has to feed on violets. So I tend to look at it from a different bit of an angle. But the, the real answer to your question is blood, sweat, and tears. Just keep digging them out until you get them all or learn to love them. Oh. <laughs> That's, yeah. Tough love, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you very much. You're most Thank, welcome. Thank you for giving us a ring. You know, it's kind of interesting that we have a weekend so wet 
but that fits in with uh, what you do with your company, uh, that's Sean James Consulting and Design. You help uh, people keep the water on their property. We uh, do, yeah. yeah so maybe you describe a little bit of how, what well, you do there. Well, we've gotten really good at getting water away from the foundation, and that's important. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying to do now is take stress off the sewer systems and take stress off our waterways and help the water soak in, uh, sort of play it where it lays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're creating these sort of saucer-shaped gardens and planting things that love spring flooding and handle summer drought, things like potentilla and uh, blue flag iris, sneezeweed, which was used to make snuff which is kind of funky. It's not actually an allergy (laughs) thing. Um, There's so many beautiful plants like sparkleberry that you can plant in your garden. It's not a sacrifice of beauty. It's actually an opportunity to use newer, cooler things. And then there's fusion gardening, which is rain gardening grafted to drought-tolerant gardening, so minimizing the amount that you need to water as well. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on about how we handle rain, which is really important right now. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and give uh, Sean just a moment to get us a, a regroup. And, but doing a fine job. Thank you so much, Sean. Sean Happy James uh, filling in for Charlie uh, Dobbin here this morning on Zoomer Radio, the garden show on the air as we broadcast live and direct from the Liberty Village in uh, on the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, we continue with our calls this morning. Sean, uh, doing a great job. Thank you so very much. Elizabeth from Hamilton on the line. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Hey, Elizabeth. Hi there. I just wanted to extend my condolences as well to Charlie and her family. My mom and I are big fans, and uh, we just wanted to say that we're very sorry for her loss. I, I'm glad you mentioned that, because folks who might be tuning in just a little bit late might have missed right off the top of my announcement that uh, the reason Charlie is not here today is because her mom, Dolly, passed away yesterday. So thank you very much for those thoughts, and I know Charlie will appreciate that. What's on your mind this morning? Uh, well, I had a question. Um, I'm wondering about planting more native plants to attract pollinators. Awesome. I have... Budlea and I have, you know, lavender and I'm I I'm looking to actually plant native plants sure. so they're more resistant That's great. to yeah. pests and, yep. and uh, everything else. So and I really want to attract as many pollinators as possible. What would you recommend? Sure. Well, for. The best way you can support pollinators is with early and late blooming plants. Uh, that's what they need the most. So things like uh, red maple or Freeman maple, not the maple that has the red leaves in the summertime, but our, our native red maple, they're in bloom now. Same with pussy willow, and they've actually got bees on them right now. Uh, and the bees wow. are actually waking up and doing their thing. I've got honeybees in my yard, and they're they're doing their thing right now, so that's really important. Um, okay. When you look at uh, um, a lot of vegetables, actually, uh, are, are really good, like fennel and so on. But uh, for the native plants, Late blooming things like asters and goldenrod are super, super good for pollinators. And of course, purple coneflower is a wonderful plant. The list is actually quite large. And there's some there's some great resources. For instance, the Toronto Region Conservation Authority has some great okay. stuff as well. And there's a butterfly okay. festival at Tommy Thompson Park in the summertime where you can learn even more. That would be great. So you recommend their website to check out to Absolutely. look for different 
Yeah. Plants. Yeah. And how do you feel about bee houses? I bought one and I haven't put it up yet. That's a good question. They're certainly they're great. Do it, do it, do it. Um, now okay. I would say that the easiest and best thing that we can all do for the, the bees and pollinators in general, uh, sort of a, a two pronged attack to leave the garden standing through the winter. Uh, and then when you do clean it up, you know, in a, in a week or so, cut everything down instead of all the way down, cut it down to six to eight inches. And then that all those little uh, holes, all those hollow stems are going to be potential bee homes in and of themselves. Uh, so it's a really easy way to create and protect habitat for the pollinators. And maybe That's I've always great. said mulch, mulch, mulch. And now I'm saying leave an area of bare soil so that the bumblebees, most of them nest in the, in the earth uh, and they need some bare soil to nest there. Okay. We have some bare soil, like a patch around our peonies. And I have like, um, yeah, just a little Perfect. garden with some peonies and stuff in it that is just bare. Awesome. I've never mulched it. Good for you. And I'm, I love to hear questions like this. Kudos. Okay. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great uh, weekend. Thank and you. Thanks for thank answering you. my question. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks very much for joining us here on a Saturday morning, rather cloudy today. In a connecting note, just had the, the word that the bees that live on the roof of the Notre Dame are alive and buzzing. Uh, having survived that uh, devastating fire. And apparently the, uh, the beekeeper, Nicholas Giant, confirmed this. He says uh, that right after the fire, he looked at the drone pictures and saw the hives weren't burnt. But there's no way of knowing if the bees had survived. Now, I know there is activity. It's a huge relief. And Notre Dame has housed three beehives on the first floor on the roof over the sacristy, just beneath the rose window since 2013. Oh my gosh. And each hive has a about 60,000 bees. So Isn't that incredible? They, they've survived. Wow. Isn't that Nature's marvelous? Nature's resilience. Huh? Give her half a chance. You got that right. Well, let's uh, take a little trip uh, uh, over to Kitchener and say hi to Mike. Good morning, Mike. My uh, condolences to Charlie. Thank you. Anyways, I have a weed growing in my lawn. It's a green mass. It grows real low to the ground, and it's got a real blue flower, a little blue flower on it. Is How it? would I get rid of that? <laughs> um, well... Weeds in the lawn, we're starting to have to kind of take what we get. Um, it's either a lot of work to, to weed them out by hand, or you can appreciate how good they are for pollinators. Um, uh, it's not, it depends on what the weed it is. And oddly enough, there's a lot of things in that sort of purple blue spectrum that affect the lawn, which is crazy because we go to great lengths to get purple blue things in our gardens. They're challenging and, and hard to find. Um, but if you've, I mean, you could even have skilla, uh, which is Siberian squill, which blooms right now and then disappears. And it's got a really electric blue flower. And then there's all sorts of things that are sort of purpley blue. Um, like violets and such. Um, it grows low to the ground. Yeah, that, they, there's a whole bunch of them that do. Bugleweed does. It's not so bad. Like once you weeded it out, if you went back maybe three weeks later and looked for new growth, you could get more of it. And the same is true with Creeping Charlie, uh, although both of them are, are really tough to control. Like it's a lot of work on hands and knees to get them out. I, I, I tend to... Uh, to pull their when in Rome card. Uh, I'm just learning to live with them um, because it's a lot of work to get rid of them and there's no uh, chemical controls. I mean, you can use something like vinegar, um, but it's going to kill the grass as well. So you've got to start all over again, um, which so is a possibility. But I, later in the spring, like later on? Uh, you'd want to do it very soon because spring is the best time to, if you were going to 
sort of rejuvenate your lawn. And if you did all this weeding, you'd probably want to overseed and then put a little bit of compost, maybe half an inch of compost over it to right. help the grass seed germinate. Uh, I've already did that. Okay. This propagate it's every it, it seems to go everywhere. It grows in clumps all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um it it's it's challenging because a lot of these plants will grow from just the tiniest little piece. Um so it, it it's either a forever job um or you can strip away large areas. A lot of the common weeds uh especially the blue purple stuff is only in the top inch or so of soil. So you could strip it away, compost that in the back corner and and redo the grass. Um, with seed, I would put down seed and then put sod over it, actually, to get a, a real good head start. Um, oh, I've already did that, eh? Okay, well, yeah, see then. I'm right up through it. Yeah, well, okay. So I, I would say, and and you're not going to love this, but it might be better to just learn to to love the, the goodness that it does for the pollinators. And we've been sold a bill of, of how important it is to have a perfect lawn. And I think we're starting to change our minds about what perfect is and see, you know, a few a few plants for the pollinators uh, be a better thing. A lot of the garden writers I know are even talking about how dandelions are good for pollinators. So things are changing. Okay, thanks for your help. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you, pardon me, for joining us here on this long holiday weekend. Uh, both of those of you celebrating Easter and and Passover on this same weekend. And a particular good morning to a lot of folks who might be tuned in from cottage country. A lot of people uh, take uh, this weekend to go up to cottage and oh, open things true. up, get ready for the yeah. season, right? Okay, <clears throat> let's go back to the lines here once again. Art in North York, welcome to the show. Morning, good morning. Hey, Art. Or the best, eh? Uh, my question is, uh, I've been putting peat moss around raspberry canes. Well, is that uh, good? I had pretty good luck last year, but I thought maybe I could just uh, put something else around them. Whenever we're looking at edibles, organic matter in general is good. What I would do is, is and I, I, I steal my neighbor's leaves, uh, I, I get as many leaves as I can and I mulch them up with my mower and then I put those around the plants so that uh, maybe, you know, up to two inches because they'll settle down to next to nothing and they'll be gone in a month or so. But that's adding organic matter into the soil. The worms and all the creepy crawlies come right up through the soil, take that organic matter and pull it down into the soil so you have better water holding capacity but also uh, fresh nutrients being provided all the time. And that's uh, a really easy way to get organic. You're letting Mother Nature get the organic matter into the soil, and then she aerates the soil at the same time. All the worms and such make little holes that the water can infiltrate through. That would be better than peat moss per se, and also free, which is my favorite price. Um, <laughs> and uh, that way you're, you're, doing, you're achieving your goal of organic matter. Uh, and also nutrients and water holding. So I got lots of leaves because I, I just uh, leave them around the yep. plants. Mulching them up with the lawnmower helps make them available faster. Yeah, um, leaves. So yeah, I yeah. Need to mulch them. Awesome. Perfect. So that would uh, do the trick. It's better than peat moss. I would say so. Yeah, yeah, and no worries about acidity either, which is good. Because I want to, because I got about uh, five hundred plants in the back. Oh my goodness gracious! Good for you. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll come visit you when they're in bloom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for joining Thanks. us, Art. And raspberries are also native, yeah. and they're good for pollinators. So you get uh, three goodnesses with one with one kick at delicious fruit. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're listening to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and of course in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. I'm Frank Proctor, and our guest host this morning is Sean James uh, from... Uh, 
Sean James Consulting and Design. His website, let me repeat that. For those of you who'd like to check things out, you hear this chap who is very knowledgeable. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, so go to the website, seanjames-consulting.ca. A little payoff for him jumping into the fray here. <laughs> and I'm and, all over Twitter and Facebook as well. I oh, love right? questions oh, in public because everybody gets yep. to learn from them. There you are. Phone numbers, uh, my friends, in Toronto. 416-360-0740 and anywhere in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Right, there we go. Okay, uh, on to our next caller and that would be Jean in High Park. Good morning, Jean. Hi, Jean. Hello. Yes, I, I just want to ask you how to take care of Pine. Pine. Almost do nothing. They're the easiest plants in the world to look after. Once they're in the ground, you can leave them. I, I once uh, moved a 150-year-old peony. Um, uh-huh. Once they're there, they're one of the few perennials you can leave put forever. Uh, the only thing you really have to watch for is that um, the soil might slowly erode away, and I've seen the crowns get exposed. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you have to add a bit of soil to cover up those crowns. The crown wants to be – the crown is where the roots meet the leaves, where the roots uh-huh. meet the stems. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, that wants to be about two inches below the soil. So that's only the, the only real problem that's I've all. seen. Sometimes for fertilizer. I don't fertilize. I, I'm I'm a lazy, lazy gardener. I don't fertilize <laughs> anything, and my peonies do beautifully. It also, uh, if you don't my fertilize, is expensive and and beautiful. They're very beautiful. They're spectacular. Yes, yes it is. Uh, when you fertilize, you tend to make plants grow lush, which makes them a little more open to diseases like powdery mildew as well. So the fact that I don't in my garden, I don't fertilize with anything other than mulched up leaves, that uh, helps reduce the disease instances in my garden. I do, however, when the, as soon as they're done blooming, I'll pick a really nice leaf and I'll cut it back to that really nice leaf so that it helps it look really sharp and more like a shrub all summer long. And that way I get to enjoy the fall color more as well because some peonies have spectacular fall color. Okay. Wow. Hey, okay, thank you very Thank you very much. You're most welcome. Thank you, Gene. You know, before we uh, came into the studio, uh, Sean and I were having a chat, and he's a guy who's so excited about new things that are being discovered every day, re-gardening and so forth. And you mentioned something about walnuts. I did. It's amazing. We're, we're I'm, I'm in a great business because, and, and hobby, because we're always learning new things. And right now, we, we've just found out through a, a wonderful lady named uh, Dr. Linda Chalker Scott that we always used to think that walnuts killed the plants around them. Yeah. And it's just that they feed heavily. Um, we used to say clean up every leaf because the, the juglone, the chemical that's in the leaves is going to kill the plants. But there's hardly any juglone even in the leaves. And what's in the roots is uh, broken down by the, the what we call the microbiome in the soil. All the little creepy crawlies break that chemical down. So it's really not a thing. So we can, we can go ahead and leave our walnuts now and really appreciate the beauty of them and the value that they add to the property. Because a big walnut tree can add $40,000 to the value of your home. Wow. So you yeah. get to it's sort of all the best of all worlds, mm-hmm. and we're forever breaking down these little myths as we do more research, which is fascinating. Okay, maybe we'll check out more before the end of the show. Meantime, uh, we'll get back to the phone lines here and off to Cambridge to say hi to Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lorraine. Us. Um, I also would like I would like to ask about a, um, a rose bush that's um, called an explorer rose. Oh, lovely! It's really wild. Yes, not only do I not fertilize anything, like sometimes let things go. <laughs> but anyway, it's got some about two inch thick branches that are yep. um, woody, really woody and bare, and then high arching 
Um, okay, you're asking the right guy because I have uh, John Cabot. What how I should do? What I should do to yeah. clean them up a bit? Well, you thank you for the reminder. Actually, that's on my to do list. Um, yeah. I have a, a John Cabot Explorer rose that's in the same boat. Beautiful plant, but it's gigantic and it's got these big old woody stems. So with with any real any shrub or any shrub rose, what you want to do is take out a third of the eldest wood every year. So you want to take out one or two of those great big old stems every year. I kind of cheat. I use a battery-powered sawzall. I got tired of ripping my knuckles apart. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can just get in there and, and cut that and then, and then remove that. And then you're going to have new canes come up, which then you can, as soon as they start coming up, position those in place, like tie them back or whatever you do. Okay. Um, because they're your gold. Everybody cuts the tips. Okay. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, and if it's too much and too big uh, for you to be able to get in there and take those out, right? Because you want to take them out right to the right to the ground, right back to the crown or where that meets the soil. Okay. If it's too much, believe it or not, brace yourself. You can cut down the whole thing right to the ground. It's called coppicing, and oh. you will lose your flowers for certainly the beginning part of the year and and possibly the whole year. Yeah. But it rejuvenates the whole plant, and a lot of deciduous multi-stem uh, plants, woody plants, can be can be treated this way. Coppicing is a wonderful technique. Right to the ground. Uh, you got to believe thing. me. The day the day that you're sure I lied to you is the day that it'll start to grow back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. But what about also um, a wild rose? Same. Uh, can I do the same? Same. But if it's um, – try and figure out if it's a, a, what we call a, a rosa multiflora. Sometimes there's a, a rootstock of a rose that's actually quite invasive, and it produces these beautiful little red berries that we love to use in flower arrangements. But the birds take them and spread them into the wild. And even though they're good for pollinators, so I'm kind of conflicted about it, yes. they tend to push out our native plants and, and therefore all the things that might feed on those native plants. So, oh, so uh, if you've got – yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and there are some lovely native roses, though. So when when you say wild rose, it try and figure out what it is. Out of nowhere. Yeah, it still could be the. Uh, still could. Yeah, unfortunately, it could be the the uh, the okay, rose got those little red tiny berries. And yeah. I like to see the birds after them in the winter. Uh, yeah, I know it's it's a real conflict, but the problem is that it pushes out the other stuff. But there are some great native roses like Rosa Carolina, Carolina rose, okay. uh, and swamp rose, and so on that are lovely and uh, have beautiful big pink flowers and, and we're big just fruit. At the edge of the Carolinian area here. That's right. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of planting native species no, and even and helping okay, things move north. Much. You're most welcome. Thanks, Lorraine, for joining us here on Zoomer Radio AM 740. And, of course, in downtown Toronto, crystal clear at 96.7 FM. Um, okay, hey, golly, we're traveling all around the province, Sean. Let's go to Lister, oh, pardon me, Alliston. And there's Jim. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hey, Jim. Great. Good. Good. Uh, i got a question for you. Yes, sir. I live out in the country in the middle of farmland. Uh-huh. I've got about an acre of lawn. Um, I'm not prepared to get on my knees and dig out every weed. <laughs> and, uh, and I just want to know basically if what they sell, like it's through CIL or whatever, this, um, um, this fertilizer seed combination that sort of kills the weeds and helps grass grow. Is this basically my best option? Cause well, I, I want an acre of, of lawn here. So. One of the best ways to make a healthy lawn is to and and to to handle the weeds is to make the lawn itself healthy. Right. Um I tend to guide people towards some of the new tall fescues and new perennial rise. They have roots that go terribly deep into the soil and they also have a beneficial fungus that produces a bitter tasting chemical that actually repels insects. So it's much better than Kentucky blue. Um they're called uh, rhizomatous fescue 
and rhizomatous rye, and they spread by roots underground, as well as when you seed them down, of course. And they're, they're a great improvement over what we've ever had before. And you're not, because they repel insects, you're not going to get big bear patches from things like white grubs and so on. Okay, because I've actually had uh, weeds on my lawn as big as small trees. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, they're huge, they're massive. But because, of course, I'm in the middle of farmland, right. so I get everything that blows, everything blows in my yeah. place. Yeah. And that's what happens. And but, keeping your lawn cut at the right height, too. I, I do mine at about three and a half inches, which is yeah. a little higher than most people do. I keep but mine th- between two and a half and three. Okay. Mm-hmm. The higher it is, the thicker the grass. The thicker the grass, the fewer the weed seeds you get germinating. Because oh, most right? weed seeds need light to germinate, uh, okay. which is why top okay. dressing is such a good thing to do as well. And even mulching up the leaves in the fall, believe it or not, you can mulch a foot of leaves onto your grass. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't hurt the grass. It helps the grass and helps it thicken up and it covers those new weed seeds. Okay, so the higher, I, usually I keep my grass a little higher just because of the heat. Yeah. I don't want it to burn up. Yeah. So, so you're also saying that the higher the grass will help keep the weeds away. That's absolutely correct. And uh, mulch up whatever leaves I have and... Uh Throw it around. Big fan, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's great then. Yeah, it's actually easier. That's the, the beauty of the a lot of the new ways of doing things, uh, right. like not tilling the soil, for instance. Well, it's you're easier. talking my language. That's what I like. Easy. Okay. <laughs> Thanks well, thank so much. Thank you very much. All you're right, welcome. Jim. Have a great weekend. Thanks thank for you. spending you it. Happy Easter. All right. Same. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break now. And when we come back, hey, I'll reach for the, uh, the garden special... <laughs> Bell. We're going to be ringing it for a first-time caller who is calling in from Cambridge, Julius, in just moments. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And in Charlie's stead this morning, uh, we're joined by Sean James, who's doing just a crackerjack job here of subbing in for Charlie since the passing of her mom yesterday. Uh, Julius, uh, online from Cambridge, just a minute here. There you are. You got your garden wings there, first time caller. How are you, Julius? Hello. Hi. Yes. Um, thanks for taking my call. I'm very sorry to hear about uh, Charlie's mom. Thank you. Um, I'm calling because I believe it's skunks. Okay. Well, it could be raccoons. They're feasting on whatever might be living under my lawn. Well, I'm good for you for knowing that it's not the skunks or raccoons that are the problem. It's what's under the ground that's the problem because that's usually a a tough hump to get people over. Um, You can use nematodes, which are um, little microscopic creepy crawly worms, um, kind of scary the way they work. Um, they go in through the breathing holes of the insect and then dissolve them and eat them from the inside out. Um, but they're very effective for any insect that lives below the soil. And you can apply them usually around early to mid-May, once the soil temperature is over 15 degrees Celsius. And nematodes are reasonably available now uh, as well. You can order them from a company called Natural Insect Control, and they'll mail order them to you from Stevensville. A lot of garden centers have nematodes as well. Uh, you got to apply them when the soil is moist. Um, I usually put them down just before it rains or in the evening and then water them in because you got to get them into the soil. But they're quite effective. I always heard uh, in my own recollection now with nematodes in mind that it was sort of mid-August that they were most effective. But maybe... uh I've I got... might even put them down twice because you're not oh, wrong. Really? Yeah. You'll get okay. them more. So insects go through different instars. Mm-hmm. So right now they're almost mature. Um, 
you'll still have some effect and you'll take out some of the adults um, or the, the, the pupae. Uh, and, and some of the grubs live over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have an effect that way. And then doing it again in August is going to help when they're younger because they sort of come out of the ground around May, June, hence the name June bugs. Right. Um, and, uh, and then they, they, they mate and they lay their eggs and the adults die and become bird food. Um, and, uh, and, and then we start all over again. So usually you're talking, you know, I, I would say late July, early August that you'd want to put down the second batch. Ah, very good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Spread with a fertilizer spreader. Um, uh, there'll be directions on the package. Everyone will be a little bit different. Usually, uh, you use a, I use a watering can and I mix it into the watering can and then, uh, <laughs> look like a goofball running back and forth spreading <laughs> through my, uh, my gardens. They'll even work on, on lily beetles, believe it or not, uh, because they pupate in the soil. So a lot of creatures that we have trouble with, uh, and a lot of other lawn pests as well, like leather jackets and so on can be controlled with nematodes. Okay. Okay. Great information. Thanks. And uh, thanks for the wings. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. And thank you, uh, Julius, for joining us first time around. Don't be a stranger. You're always welcome here on the, the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Uh, let's see. Before we take our next break, we've got time to squeeze in another caller here. And that is Siva here in Toronto. Good morning, Siva. Morning, guys. Great job, Sean. Thank you. I uh, have some bugs that are shooting up from the basement now. Can I plant them outside or I have to leave them? What kind of bulbs are they? Do you know? Dahlias. Uh, I wouldn't put them outside yet. You don't want to do that until there's no danger of frost. Uh, I'm looking at mine too and thinking the same thing, but uh, it's it's too early. Um, You want to if if they're already shooting up, you probably want to bring them up and put them in a. uh, Well, think about dividing them if they need dividing. If you have multiple shoots and so on, but you don't have to. Uh, Put them in a very bright window, the brightest window you got, and let them start growing there. Um, I wouldn't do anything like fertilizing or anything like that. Um, and, uh, and let them start growing. If you're lucky enough, I mean, if some people have windows in their garage, so you could put them in there wherever they're not going to get touched by frost. Uh, I have a, the world's smallest greenhouse, so I might think soon about putting things in there, but not until you can't put them outside until all danger of frost is passed. Okay, sir. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling, Siva, and uh, have a wonderful holiday weekend here. Either uh, those of you celebrating Easter or Passover, all the very best to each and every one of you. And we will be back to take more callers in just a couple of moments. Let me repeat the phone lines for those of you uh, wanting to call in. Like from Toronto, alrighty. Here's the number, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Back with Sean James here on The Garden Show, subbing in for Charlie uh, on this Saturday morning. Kind of a wet weekend, but we'll try and bring a little sunshine your way with the callers to come. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Once again, we thank Sean James for jumping into the fray here to help out in the uh, in our uh, quest to keep those gardening questions coming in. And boy, the, the calls have been coming in fast and furious, uh, Sean. Uh, on the line from Mississauga, Gloria with a rather interesting question. Hi, Gloria. Hi, I have a raised, a large raised bed. It's about four feet by six feet by two feet high, and it has raspberries in it. Too many raspberries. <laughs> I want to take that and cut it in half. Well, I'm not going to cut the box in half, and I want to plant vegetables. What vegetable on one half? What vegetable should I not uh, 
plant near these raspberries. Now, I realize the roots are going to interfere with everything, but I'll keep on top of that. Well, it's going to be a forever challenge. Um, Raspberries spread. That's what raspberries do. Um, We cannot blame the scorpion for stinging. Um, So I I wouldn't worry so much about what you're going to plant. I might put a membrane or something in between the two, like a heavy-duty plastic, to take it back to where you want. So you're not always fighting to to dig them back. But what you you want to plant in there isn't so much about what does well with raspberries, because that's just a refereeing situation. But plant what you will eat. A lot of people plant what's easy to grow or what's new and exciting this year but what you got to remember with vegetables is plant what you're going to eat most plant what you enjoy eating well that's Uh, what i'm going to do but i'm kind of thinking anything that's a root vegetable like carrots i shouldn't plant because you know the raspberry will just travel and dig it up i i wouldn't think so much about that the the raspberries will go around the carrots and the carrots will grow between the raspberries Um, okay but you're you're going to be constantly uh, weeding out raspberries. Oh, um, I realize that. And that's I still okay. want the raspberries. I just don't want 40 jars that I make <laughs> every year. And no one returns the jars. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, that's a good good suggestion. Thank you very much. All right. You're most have a welcome. good Easter. As, and same to you. Thank, thank you very much for calling. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, Jenny in St. Catharines on the line. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Uh, I'm sorry about Charlie's uh, mom. Well, thank We're you. We're all yeah, I just lost my sister, so... Anyways, um... What was I going to say? What the heck do I plant in the <laughs> yard? We got... Honest to God, there's like a 12-foot-12 12 patch. It's something too bad. Couldn't plant a sponge tree. Well, that's that not funny, way. actually. <laughs> you're you know, you're closer to having the right answer than you know. It's like, uh... I could use a month... Either that or I'm thinking rice or cranberries, for frig's sake. That I, I've actually planted cranberries, and I got I, I had seven cranberries last year. Um, you uh, a, a wet area, and I love questions like this because a wet area is not a problem as much as it is an opportunity. You can plant really cool plants like uh, winterberry or sparkleberry, which is our native deciduous holly. There's another holly called uh, inkberry holly, ilex glabra, which is a really cool evergreen with uh, sort of little paddle shaped leaves like a boxwood. You can plant. Uh, is it a bit shady there or sunny? No, it's pretty well sunny. Okay. Uh, yeah, opportunities galore. Um, there's a wonderful plant called Fireworks Goldenrod, which doesn't cause allergies, of course. Uh, beautiful, beautiful plant. You can plant things like blue flag iris and uh, even mix in some uh, marsh marigold, which goes dormant after it blooms if it gets dry in the summertime. Uh, is it is it wet all year or just wet in the spring? Well, I don't know. I just moved in here and I uh, went out there and I thought, oh, my God. Sure. Well, dogwoods and willows are great, too. I would look at it as an opportunity to plant all the things that other people cannot. Uh, and, and you're also doing a great amount of good by, by preserving that little wet area because you're taking stress off all your neighbors. Your flooding has become the number one insurance claim in Canada overtaking well, fire. One, it's not just my yard. The other three neighbors are yep. all flooded. And well, and like raising it does no good. A lot well, of people will fill it in, and that just makes everybody wetter. Muck. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Um, as for the, uh, there was a guy asking about the weeds. You know what I do? I used to cheat and top, cut the top of the dandelions off, take some table salt. Just, you know, how you get the holes. Yep. When you, I just used to, and the same with like sisal, anything with a taproot like that. Um, 
I used to pour salt on it. The only thing so, you got to worry about is that salt stays there forever. Um, well, not forever. Eventually, it will leach away, but it actually wrecks the soil structure, and it will slowly leach around and kill the plants around it, too. So you have to be very careful with well, ideas like that. Well, these were going between the sidewalks, so I said, ah. after this, gone. <laughs> Okay. Thanks very much. Jenny, we, sorry, we have to move along, darling. Uh, one one more caller coming in before we have to uh, close the show Already? for today. Yeah, yeah, honest to Pete. Elaine in Markham on the line. Good morning, Elaine. Oh, good morning, Frank and Sean. Hello. I'm calling from Markham. I just looked at my rain gauge this morning, and we got two inches. Oh, my goodness. Rain. I have a beautiful hydrangea out at my front, like in a pot. Uh-huh. It's about two feet high. Um, and we're supposed to get more rain. Anyway, the poor thing, there were these huge top flowers, you know, absolutely huge. So I shook them because some of them had fallen, like, over. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I have kind of hopefully resurrected them with that Velcro um, tie. Okay. But what? can they get too much rain? Not so much too much rain. Um, as long as the pot that they're in has adequate drainage, then you should be fine. Are they white? No, this one's pink. It, really? And it's in a pot? Yeah. Um, interesting. So what you want to do at this time of year is cut out the oldest growth, the growth that has branches on it. Yeah. You want to be left with the chestnut branches uh, that are chestnut no, no. all the way down. No, this is a new plant that I got. Oh, okay. Um, you know, only I put it out in, at my friend. It's not in the ground. Okay, okay. Apologies. Okay, so that that might actually even be a, a florist's hydrangea, uh, yeah. which is a beautiful, beautiful plant. Um, hmm, boy, oh boy. I might put in a, a few little stakes around the edges and then run some twine back and forth between those stakes to sort of help hold everything up and maybe even a stake in the center and run it back and forth to that if they're, if they're flopping too much, which is a little surprising, actually. Usually they, they're, they're pretty solid. Uh, plants. Um, but I wouldn't worry about the water itself. As long as the pot has adequate drainage so it's not sitting in water, then you should be okay in that particular regard. Okay. And they'll kind of pop back up, the ones that have got bent over? As long as they're not broken, oh, then yes. If they're, if they're just bent, then yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll pop back up. Oh, okay. I was so upset when I saw the poor <laughs> thing this morning. Yeah, well, and, and plants are a lot more resilient than we think they are. I get lots of uh, questions about bulbs and frost and so on. Ah, the bulb, they'll be fine. I okay. think generally speaking, we need to relax and remember that gardening is supposed to be fun and just take what nature gives us. Oh, thank you. You're thank most welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Thank bye -bye. you. Thank you, Elaine. And uh, I certainly thank all the uh, callers this morning who particularly called in to offer condolences to uh, Charlie and her family, as uh, as do we all here at AM740. And, Sean, again, thank you so much for coming by. Let me give you uh, your company another little plug here because you can tell uh, the enthusiasm with which Sean approaches gardening. He just loves it. And uh, you can have him on your property, and you can find out all sorts of things uh, things about uh, his company by going to the website seanjames-consulting.ca. He come out to your property, take a look at things and give you a bit of advice, ask you what you want, and then kind of explain how you get there. I'm right? a lucky man. I found a hobby that became a career, and I do love what I do. Well, isn't that neat? I want the folks to stay by because we get our uh, good buddies next door for Dave's Corner Garage, Alan Gelman and uh, Dave, who will be uh, by in just very few, a few moments. Meantime, you can stay tuned for the latest news right here on Zoomer Radio. Frank Proctor, thank you very much for sticking with us here and having fun on a Saturday morning.
This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.